One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, not going to lie, Josh Brown, it's another week, another legendary News Lads podcast, because we are the News Lads, this is the News Lads, at some point we'll have some sort of intro, I think, I think this week we might have new music at the beginning, we've definitely got some new artwork, which is very nice and fancy, um, but Mr. Josh Brown, I'm also Scott Taylor, by the way, probably should have said that, some sort of host thing, joined by Mr. Josh Brown, Josh Brown, how you doing, mate? I'm doing all right. It's all right, man. You don't need to introduce yourself. You're, you're like, we you know in those fancy establishments where it's like, Scott Tailford needs no introduction. That's what it's like <laughs> with you on the news, lads, and every podcast and every video we do. Like, I wish. Like, just, I see you as a silhouette, and I just know exactly who you are and what you're about, man. Like, you're, That's I, because... I don't use this word lots, right? Yes. But you know how Ubisoft likes to throw the word iconic around? Aiden <laughs> Pierce's iconic hat. Scott Tailford's iconic silhouette is even more ingrained oh. in my psyche. It's, I mean, it's very 90s. The thing is right now, we're in the middle of the old, big old Locky D. So like all the barbers are shut and everything. So like my spikes are out of control. They're getting back to <laughs> May 2020 levels of just, it's pretty much the size of my forehead top wise. Um, but thank you very much. I would, I would obviously fire the same back to you. You've managed to pull off a very iconic look, revamped Locky D look for Mr. JB. Going very strong indeed. <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but I will take your lines and <laughs> embrace them as compliments. Thank you very much. Anyway, there are many news stories doing the rounds, one of which coming from a reset era. There's a user called Navtra who's done a few different sort of leaks and bits and bobs over the years, talking about a paid next-gen upgrade for Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, this is apparently because um, it's probably going to be announced in February and coming in April. Um, April is also when the exclusivity contract runs out in regards to Seven Remake being exclusive on PlayStation systems. Um, but obviously the stickler being that we would be paying for the, the next-gen upgrade. So how does that strike you? Oh, it just feels very old hat, doesn't it? I mean, <laughs> in the modern age of next-gen slash current-gen, whatever gen we're in, like we've got Xbox's <laughs> smart delivery system. We've got a bunch of developers out there making games where if you buy the PlayStation 4 version, you get a free upgrade and vice versa. And it just mm. kind of seems with a game like this, especially that's you know, a year old or whatever. It's not like it's a brand new remastered version of um, trying to think of an old game. I don't know, Horizon Zero <laughs> Dawn. Borderlands 3 got one. That was a thing. Borderlands 3. No, Borderlands 3, even that was too recent, I'd say. Okay. It's, uh, I, f- I feel like, you know, there's a... It depends how substantial it is. You know, when it comes mm. to this, it's always kind of partly case by base. If it's a complete and utter overhaul that I think deserves, you know, spending more money on that, 
you get an experience that you just can't get in the PlayStation 4 version, mm -hmm. then maybe. But if it's just a few extra bells and whistles, if it's just better frame rates, if it's just, you know, higher resolutions, if it's mm -hmm. just a few better textures for background things, then I'd be like, well, we're getting better offers elsewhere from publishers who aren't charging for this kind the of thing stuff. The thing is, with this, one of the things that... A, next, a PS5, an SSD-based version of this game, because like, you can do that on the series systems as well, uh, would completely change the Final Fantasy VII is the basic structure of it, the remake, because there's so many, let me just idle sideways through a space, let me just crouch through this space, trying to hide the load of what's coming out ahead of it. If you had full access to that data all the time, then you could, I mean, it would probably cut the runtime in half, but you could completely you know, fix all that stuff and make it so much smoother. Um, I imagine that it will just be like a 60 FPS 4K type thing, and they'll make sure that obviously all the assets stream in faster because that was one of the only sort of downsides graphically for the 7 remake was that the character models most of the environment looked gorgeous but then occasionally there was like a weird just a literal yeah. pixel in the corner big yeah. giant block that just hadn't blended <laughs> in properly 100 there's definitely scope in that game especially to improve on things that were kind of inferior in the in the version that we got because while it is in my opinion one of the best looking games of that generation yes. we know we've talked loads and loads about how you can sort of sit, tell that the hardware was kind of like bottlenecked and mm. while they were pushing through these really high fidelity you know character models you had like you said this background detail that just wasn't quite up to snuff in these low poly um textures that just look like they were ripped straight from the playstation 2 i think they've kind <laughs> of got a little bit of leeway because like you said the exclusivity is up so presumably they're going to have different versions for different consoles so maybe with that in mind they can be like here's the complete edition with some mm. extra bells and whistles also it'll take advantage of the next gen stuff i don't think it'll just be billed as a sole next gen release i think it will have more extras in there mm -hmm. that justify selling well, it again, essentially. They'll definitely do, uh, well, I, I assume they will do that thing that rolls in the deluxe edition content, like the extra yeah. summons, like the Cactuar stuff. And the there was a couple of different summons that you couldn't get unless you forked out an additional, it was like five pounds or whatever. Um, one final question for this though, how much would you pay for a PS5 upgrade of Final Fantasy VII Remake? Or is the answer zero? Because you don't plan on going back to it anyway. Zero, zero pounds, zero. Scott Tilford. I, I don't <laughs> think... For me, it depends what, again, it depends what they did, man, because if they did re-release it and they did solve out, solve those load problems, like you said, you know, if they made use of the SSD and it was lightning fast to go from one place to another, mm. you weren't having those awkward transitions, that actually might justify me playing through it again. But mm. there's so much downtime in that game that as someone who has already completed it and isn't like a Final Fantasy super fan or whatever, I don't want to go through the lows of that game again just to get to the highs, even though I did ultimately really enjoy my time with it and love the experience overall. I would hope that, because I said, I mean, I, I when I mentioned the thing about them eliminating all the like forced load stuff, if they just speed up those animations, make it so that, you know, Cloud and, and the rest of the gang just step through like some crevice or whatever and everything's fine on the other side, that might be a good go-between until they can sort of, whenever they do remake part two, make that something that just has, doesn't have any of those sections. I think that stuff feels incredibly outdated, like where it's super obvious yeah. that they're hiding a load. And um, I would love all that stuff to go away. But like I said, it would probably half the runtime because a lot of that game <laughs> is padding um, in the remake compared to the, uh, original um next question uh, next question next piece of news i'm doing the untitled banter podcast bringing the banter across to the monday um, <laughs> next piece of news mr josh brown is um sony's uh, san diego team this is like their mysterious playstation team that sony have been putting together um which we don't know anything about we know that um there's an ex-member of naughty dog and there's an ex -Na ex naughty dog and ex rockstar staff are working for this new team but we don't know what they're working on um but one thing was spotted on this dude called michael mumbauer's linkedin profile 
because um, he left uh, Sony after 13 years last November. Um, and over on Reddit, people were just looking at his, um, you know, his CV or whatever um, and realized that it had some details in there. So um, he said that his latest achievement is having built a brand new all-star AAA action-adventure development team for PlayStation, which was assembled to expand upon existing franchises and craft all new stories for the next generation of gamers. Um, obviously, the ongoing sort of rumor for this new studio is that they're the ones doing Uncharted 5. Um, what's your thoughts on either it being Uncharted 5 or just some new thing? I think it's more or less locked in. Like you mentioned there, this is almost the worst kept secret in gaming at the moment because everything yeah, we said that studio... about Silent Hill and we're still waiting. <laughs> still yeah, but we also waiting. said it about Devil May Cry 5, which was spawn. So sometimes... And Spider-Man before that was real. Very true. Yep. Occasionally, very occasionally we are right. So maybe we're <laughs> going to be right. Twice in a decade, well. but occasionally. <laughs> that, that's the definition of that world. Multiple times we've been right. Just put it out <laughs> Let's there. do that. Let's do that as a news. <laughs> Multiple times we were actually right about something. No, but all the rumors do seem to point towards this. And if it's not Uncharted 5, I don't know what else it can be because mm-hmm. that is Sony's most um, profitable, you know, kind of like legacy franchise that they have up and running right now. Obviously, Naughty Dog have retired from that world with Uncharted 4, but Sony is going to want to continue it in some form, you know what I mean? And there are a lot of avenues that they could go down to justify keeping this franchise on, whether that's Mm. doing a Sully game, whether that's doing a Sam game, whether that's going down Nathan Drake's Daughters route, you know what I mean? And especially Mm. because we have the movie coming out soon, and it's not that you know, it's going to be a tie-in or anything, but Sony obviously believes in this brand. It's this multimedia thing, or soon to be this major multimedia property that, of course, they're going to have another game in some form. And especially, you know, if you roll in the fact that this new team is made up by a bunch of ex-Naughty Dog staffers, and it's like, well, it <laughs> totally makes sense that you're hiring all these people to continue a franchise that they've worked on in the past, you know? I have a, f- a few different thoughts, because what I, I just, weirdly, you know when they remastered or re- remade Spider-Man from 2018, and they put the, not Tom Holland, but literally Tom Holland, sort of just... Yeah. Tim Holland was in there and I just I wonder if they would ever do like either an Uncharted like a, a Tom Holland Tim Holland skin for Uncharted 4 or something like that to sort of tie in with the movie or would they do something as bold as rebooting Uncharted because it's been a long time Ooh. Nolan North is done with it I mean they're either going to go forward with Troy Baker as Sam and do that thing but I don't think that has enough of a hook personally I do sorry I, I personally like that but I don't think the mainstream would catch on to like you know they'd maybe buy Uncharted 5 and it wouldn't be Drake and it would be a weird thing but if you rebooted it and I mean, it's been 14 years now since the original one. Do you think they would do that and have have little Timmy Holland in there as well? Maybe eventually, you know, I feel like to me, it's a little bit too early at the moment. Mm. We're only, well, we're, what, five years removed from Uncharted 4 now. So I guess it's time enough. You know, we've had three Spider-Men within the past 10 years. So <laughs> Sony is obviously open to this. I, mm-hmm. I wonder whether they kind of like do this potentially like a half sequel sort of thing where they have a young oh, like Lost Legacy Drake. style. Yeah, and yeah, well, I was just thinking like they could have like a young Nathan Drake, you know, mm. fill in some of that backstory. Because obviously, we played as a young Nathan Drake, we've seen some of that story in flashbacks in the games themselves. But maybe they could, they could pitch this as, you know, a lost story from his younger years with Sylvia right, and Sam, right. and then do the kind of semi recasting where they don't have Tom Holland, but they might have a younger Drake, maybe styled a bit more in the mold they of the Tom Holland oh, or something like that. Oh, I tell you what, JP, they kind of Go did on. that with uh, Uncharted Golden Abyss on the uh, PSP, Ooh. PS Vita, sorry. Um, that only literally three people played, including the two people that made it. And uh, I wonder if they would put that on the on the PS5, if that's the thing that they've completely reskinned. Because 
that there's a lot of puzzles in that game that wouldn't work because they involve like specific touchscreeny stuff that's on the Vita. But if yeah. Sony love Sony love reacting to whatever's going on in the industry and looking at how many um, past gen stuff Nintendo are remastering, remaking in, in full fancy ass glory. I wonder if they would do that and go, here's Golden Abyss, here's the one Uncharted you missed out on. It's a younger Drake anyway. It's like Drake from Uncharted 2-ish um, and do it with uh, do it with an unlockable Tom Holland skin. Just saying. <laughs> I think it it's not the question, man. Like, Golden Abyss, I haven't played it because I didn't have that console that released on. mate. Go on. Nah, never. But um, at the same time, <laughs> everyone who did play it says yeah. that it's really good and, you know, worthy of the name and stuff. And if yeah. that is true, maybe a big budget kind of like remake or reimagining or whatever of that story for PlayStation 5, <clears> that's a cool way to fill people in on this experience who haven't played it and probably never will. You know what I mean? That's, that's <laughs> I never thought about that before. But I, I'm not against it, especially because it is in canon and it's not them doing something like, oh, we've, we've got this random story that no one's ever referenced for 12 years, but this definitely did happen. He definitely <laughs> did have a brother. Look, we, we're not making this up as we go Oh, along. yeah, the one, that is an increasingly weird, awkward plot point the more distance we get from it. I, I like the way Uncharted 4 handles it, but it's and you're doing anything like that where it's, oh, by the way, this thing was always in the background the whole time. It's always yeah. a weird way to go. But I mean, even in terms of taking old stuff and making it all fancy and new gen, they just did that with Demon's Souls. So it's mm-hmm. like... There's there's a way. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Maybe maybe there's this a way. This is the way. This is the way. It. I think it's like, well. We've got to figure it out, Scott. Because like mm. I said, it's it's too profitable to leave it lying for too long. So we're going to get an Uncharted Five. It just do you want, so do, you, do you actually want another Uncharted? Like I don't know if I do. I mean, I think I'm done. I think I'm yeah. Right. I mean, not. I don't want necessarily another one starring these characters, but I right. want something in the Uncharted mold because that brand of action adventuring, shooting, puzzling <laughs> is. It's it's great, man. Like, and Naughty Dog does it the best, but I mm. trust this new studio if it's made by ex Naughty Dog devs as well as you know very talented people from True. other studios and other parts of the industry. I think there's enough scope in that series to reinvent the wheel a little bit, do something different. You know what I mean? It's it's funny because Uncharted is quite recent that we don't think of it as the old God of War. You know, mm. back when God of War was finishing up with three, we were all kind of like wondering how they would reinvent it. How would they make it more modern? Well, now maybe they're going to be asking those same questions with Uncharted, which mm-hmm. feels mad because it feels so recent. But maybe they are kind of thinking like, we've got this franchise. Do we do more of the same? Do we make it like a Gears 4, Gears 5 type thing where we're going to build upon the foundations, but we're going to, you know, keep it more or less the same. In the I same guess that would be Cassie. And then you have like, like no, the North yeah. can still cameo as Drake whenever, like if you need to get in touch with him or something. That that would also let them do a little bit of the Tomb Raider energy, just nice, strong female protagonist. And you kind of have, because like Laura's got her daddy issues and whatever. And it's just like, she's better without him, but it's like, you could do that sort of dynamic. Um, and also like part of the ongoing conversation around like Indiana Jones going to Bethesda and that whole thing of like, whether or not Indy's going to be Xbox exclusive and have, have Xbox finally got an Uncharted. I guess if they want to tick that box of archeological fun action romp thing, then it would kind of make sense to bring all that stuff together. All this from a rumor on Reddit, mate. So you know, don't don't worry about it. Actually, no, it's a, it's a it's a piece of information from a man's LinkedIn profile. But you know, we are the news lads. Don't worry about it. Is Next it thing, news, lads. Yeah, it is the news, lads. Next thing, Battlefield 6. Uh, this one comes from a regular Call of Duty leaker, Mr. Tom Henderson, um, who says the latest info states that it could be just called Battlefield, um, that they're going to do a soft reboot, um, apparently taking a lot of influence from Battlefield 3, um, having 128-player maps um, on the current gen, the PS5. That the I keep 
I'm going to call it current gen, okay? Because okay. the last gen, the last gen's dead, even though it's continuing, it, whatever, it's dead. Um, 128 player maps on the latest consoles, let's say, with um, last gen versions are still apparently happening, but they're restricted to 32 versus 32 um, players with more limited destruction. Um, what do you think of this general thing of taking from Battlefield 3? I literally can't tell the difference between Battlefield 3 and 4. So. Well, that's well, that's very telling because Battlefield Three and Four are very much cut from the same cloth about mm. you know modern military multiplayer extravaganza, and there wasn't much of a reinvention as there was from Four to One or even mm -hmm. One to Five. You know what I mean? But a lot of people love that era, and I love Battlefield Four in particular. I know Three perhaps has more fans, but I thought when it was working, Four was amazing. So I think it's a setting that the fans really like, that DICE obviously know well. And to me, I, I just, I want Battlefield to come back in a big way. I'm here for these <laughs> bigger matches. I'm here for more destruction. Mm. But the thing that really gets me excited about this particular rumor is that apparently the current gen version and the previous gen versions are going to be made by different people. So it's not just oh, the DICE. Yes, at least in the report I read, which might be different, but I'm pretty sure it was the same because I saw all these <laughs> bullet points. But yeah, yes. they mentioned that um, they're going to have a slightly different version of it made by a different team. Splinter Cell double me, agent style. Exactly, Splinter Cell double agent style, which for me is perfect because then we get a next-gen version of Battlefield that doesn't mm. have to water itself down for the previous generation of consoles. They still get a Battlefield experience, but it's mm -hmm. not like they're going to compromise their vision or anything like that. And I want to know what a true next-gen Battlefield is fully capable of. And I'm pleased that it sounds like that's what we're going to get if this rumor is true. Oh man, I'm, I'm a million percent up for them doing, figuring out a way to, you know, like please the people who already bought the, the systems, obviously the massive install base that is for last gen systems, um, but also taking full advantage of new hardware. I, I, I you know, you know my thoughts on cross gen releases. <laughs> I just want stuff that makes the most of the new fancy thing. And so I think if they, I mean, something like Battlefield feels built to do that, to take advantage mm -hmm. of, because like, if you had an entire player base that had access to the newer systems and they can all forget about, because, I mean, I'm like 10 thoughts at once, but I'm thinking when you play multiplayer in the new Call of Duty and Black Ops and you play across um, across different platforms or maybe across different gens, you everyone on the, on the newer systems always loads ahead of everybody else and you're just sitting yeah. in the lobby waiting yeah. for everyone else to come in. And I kind of wonder what sort of, um, you know, synch synchronized destruction type stuff they could do if, if they know exactly which systems everybody's going to have. Totally. And I mean, we're, we're getting into a question, especially with some of the games that we've got now that are cross-gen, like Call of Duty Black Ops, like you said, or Warzone or whatever. Mm -hmm. But we've got these slight discrepancies. I mean, we've always had it between PC players and console players, but it's starting to become even more pronounced within console players themselves. Because, for instance, you know, on some PlayStation 5 shooters, you get the choice to have a higher frame rate. You get the chance to change your field of view which genuinely does, you know, in some ways give you an advantage in those multiplayer matches if you're mm -hmm. playing someone stuck at 30 frames per second without that field of view slider, you know what I mean? Like you yeah. have a tangible advantage and yeah, they have algorithms to try and offset and stuff. But I like this in particular because it means they are two distinct experiences. And while that might split the player base, I do think it allows them to do more and not worry about like these mismatches or worrying about watering down their vision or whatever because you know even if you think that battlefield and dice and ea kind of like missed a beat with battlefield 5 they have been out there at all of these investor conferences ea bigwigs have been saying like look this is a true next-gen battlefield we've got everyone working on it and that to me is exciting the fact that they didn't rush something out mm -hmm. for the launch of the playstation 5 and the xbox series x like it was scheduled like if you look at the releases of the past few games like there was a battlefield supposed to come out if you if they were following that but it sounds okay. like they've taken 
a bit longer to put this game together so that you do it properly. And to me, I just, I hope they do it. I hope it's not rushed. I hope it's not a Battlefield 4 situation where yeah. the servers are just completely knackered at launch and they do it well. Like, I I, I love Battlefield, man. I love it so much. And I just want a, <laughs> I want a really good version of it to come you back. You love Battlefield so much. It. You love the Battlefield modes <sighs> in Call of Duty. Just, I do. just give, give you anything large scale. Whereas oh, I, I man, can't get on board with that. It just might, it, I run for 20 minutes trying to find, trying to get to the action. All right, lads, I've got my gun. Can I shoot? And I get shot in the back and I'm dead again. And I've got to try and fly in again. Um, but maybe someday I'll get used to the, the sort of general chemistry of those games. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss that's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. And one final thing I was going to ask in regards to that, what do you think they can pull from Battlefield 3 that would sort Because it was always like, oh, they're taking influence from Battlefield 3. Is there something about Battlefield 3 that would be cherry-picked to be like, oh, man, this reminds me of Battlefield 3? Because like I said, to Ooh. me, they blur it together, but I just don't know what you would pick. Battlefield 3 sort of, when I was uh, Googling, it, Googling it separately, tends to be held up as, oh, it's the fan favorite Battlefield 3. But to me, that's the most forgotten about one. But I don't know if that's just me. 
Well, Battlefield 3 sort of put the Battlefield franchise on like a proper mainstream map. Like, you know, mm-hmm. previously it was like this real PC centric kind of gaming experience and then Bad Company tried to consoleize it a little bit. Then Battlefield 3 was like this amalgamation of both. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what specifically they would take from it because for me, gameplay wise, I do think they've evolved it in quite a nice way from then like to me i do think i think battlefield 4 is better than battlefield 3 but i yeah. wonder whether it's just the kind of general mix of that the maps were really good in battlefield 3 in terms of how they balanced infantry and vehicles in my opinion i thought mm-hmm. like the conquest maps and the rush maps especially like rush is a game mode that a lot of uh, like the developers just seem to have forgotten about in <laughs> these later games but battlefield 3 was the last game in my opinion that designed parts of its maps around that game mode rather than trying to fit a game mode into ones they'd already designed if that okay. makes sense so that mm-hmm. kind of general synergy i would hope would come back and i would hope that they won't just focus on you know conquest above all else and the rest of the modes feel like an afterthought, I suppose. But. It just it feels like ages since Battlefield has been super relevant. Like it's it feels mm. like they were dominating for a while. It was always Call of Duty or Battlefield, like head to head. And I remember when we all watched the Battlefield One reveal, and oh my god, they're going boots on the yeah. ground, they're going old school. And Call of Duty followed them, and then it just kind of like you said with Battlefield Five, great game, but like obviously, it, like you said, I would say that it missed the mark in regards to being remembered. Like it feels like that we haven't had a Battlefield in so long, and it's for me, it's because uh, Five just wasn't marketed very well, it didn't go down very well. Um, but either way, like it's Call of Duty could do with some competition. It's always good to have healthy competition between the two, and they've had it for so long anyway. Next um, news thing is that Hitman 3 is launching on Switch this week. Apparently, they went back and forward on uh, whether or not IO could nail down the fact that Hitman 3 was going to be on Nintendo Switch. Um, it is releasing this week. It's on January 20th alongside the the other uh, console versions, but it's not a it's not running natively on the console. It's a streaming version of the game, um, which is this process that Nintendo keep experimenting with. Um, they did it with Resident Evil 7 over in Japan. That was the first time it happened. It's also happened with Assassin's Creed Odyssey and it's happened with Control um, where you can access, It's each different game has its own separate company handling the server. Um, there's a company called Ubitus or Ubitus that did it for Control. Um, and so however Hitman 3 is going to be running, you're playing a streaming version of it. You're ostensibly controlling the video version of it, Google Stadia style. Does this, you make a very contorted faces, which is what I'm feeling internally. What's your, what's well, your thoughts, JV? Scott Telford, do you think that a new version of the Switch, whether it's the owler or whatever like a 4k Mm. slightly more powerful version would mean this doesn't have to happen anymore because i've never played one of these streaming versions of these games i watched a gameplay video and it seemed fine but then they also mentioned there's or every time someone talks about streaming there's always lag and even a split Mm -hmm. second will make me turn it off yeah i mean especially in something like hitman i mean it's not like a twitch shooter or something Mm. but in those situations where you're potentially going to get caught potentially when you need to think on your feet to get out of a situation will that lag impact the feel of the game and the flow of the game i don't know i have never really dabbled (laughs) in it because i'm just i'm scared of it because it rarely gets like (laughs) it rarely gets any kind of like real press about it like Mm. at least in my opinion i've not seen anything to really that dives in to the pros and cons of these streamed editions of these games and stuff so i've always veered away from them because it's almost like they're too good to be true and i'm like well, they kind of are working properly what's yeah going on? there was a lot of press around when re7 like you know it was, oh resident yeah. evil 7's coming to switch but then it was like oh but it's actually streaming so like kind of not really and then like it's it's enough if you have a decent internet connection you can kind of get away with it but you still got you're still gonna have um you know milliseconds of lag or enough lag for it to not feel one-to-one kind of like when you set up a tv and it's not on game mode and you can just yes. kind of tell <laughs> it's a, that for me drives me insane i'm just like oh is that is this me is this my head have i have i reached the point of i'm at a certain age 
stage where games just don't feel right anymore. And then I flick it and I'm like, oh God, no, thank the, the maker. It's all right. But I just, I couldn't play a whole game like that. I think it would drive me insane. Um, but either way, Hitman 3 this week on Switch. So I guess we'll see what happens with it on Wednesday. Um, next news thing is just a general sort of conversation around uh, different business acquisitions uh, coming from Brad Sams, who works for BWW Media Group. Um, and he says that he's been hearing a lot of conversations behind closed doors about acquisitions in the industry. There's a ton of moving things going on right now. Um, I can tell you there are some big industry names out there being approached by Microsoft, um, but you also have Amazon and Google. Um, Sony are part of the conversation, but not as much as Google and Amazon when, whenever Microsoft come into the come into the fold. Um, you also have EA. Just look at what happened with Codemasters. Um, do you think we're going to have a future, a cyberpunk-style future of just a handful of companies in the gaming industry owning everything just umbrella-style? I think it's starting to get to that point. I don't mean Resident like... Evil umbrella, although I kind of do. <laughs> oh, I mean, well, maybe. Like, yeah, 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 I mean like overarching. I did, I did a little squid hand. I mean like a top-down, you know, puppet puppet masters. That's what I'm going I've, for. I think Microsoft certainly wants that to happen. You know, mm. they made the big Bethesda acquisition. They were making huge acquisitions um, before that. And there are valuable IP IPs, whatever, to be gained from it's, doing this that instantly gets you a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of name recognition from those brands, and especially you know in an era now when Disney's coming into the gaming sphere with all their brands, they've got mm. Marvel that they're selling to everyone, they've got Star Wars that they're selling to every everyone, everything from Lucasfilm games and stuff like that. People are going to be chomping at the bit to buy um, developers that can make these games, sign these licensing deals and stuff like that but when it comes to it i don't think it's a it's a very good future to just have that happen <laughs> and have a certain handful of companies own certain developers or certain brands or certain ips and all of that jazz because ultimately while i'm a big fan of exclusive content and brands cultivating their exclusive images and their exclusive libraries you know mm -hmm. obviously i'm a huge fan of sony and what they've done with uncharted god of war horizon ghost of Tsushima, and stuff like that i think it's mm -hmm. an entirely different ball game when you're just buying those exclusives outright that perhaps sometimes historically have been, you know, cross-gen or whatever. Like if Fallout or Sky Elder Scrolls, sorry, goes um, cross-gen, like that would be a huge, huge thing because mm -hmm. that's just not what I think is necessarily good for the industry. It's good for business. It's good for Microsoft. Yeah. You're not going to get all of these brands, but it sucks for the people who have been playing these games on other systems and now feel like they have to, buy into um, different ones, you know? And this is the same for Sony as well. You know, whenever Sony does their BS of buying exclusive characters <laughs> like Spider-Man and holding them ransom to the Avengers or, you know, getting Street Fighter, for instance, like that's oh, that, a bit- The amount of money that they threw at that, but God, that I has know. not paid off at all. <laughs> I know. But I think that's a good example though of Sony yeah. proving they don't need to do it because they can throw the money and get Street Fighter and kind of have this thing or, they can continue investing their money and resources in this homegrown talent, these homegrown studios, and then producing success stories like Ghost of Tsushima or even, mm. even Days Gone. The fact that they made Days Gone a sales success is a testament to just how well they've done with that part of their you know, Sony family. Yeah, I think like all out exclusive. I mean, like you said, I, I obviously encourage competition between brands because most of the time that results in in the consumer winning. Like if both multiple companies are trying vying for your attention, they have to increasingly, you know, make that worthwhile. So you, usually, usually that results in good things for the consumer. But if companies are just locking down so many different IPs in the age of streaming or in the age of different monthly services, are like offering you bodies of titles, um, then it kind of feels like each of those companies are just saying like, well, the most direct way that we can force you onto our subscription service is to take. X number of specific IPs and franchises away from the 
competition, um, which, yeah, it's going to, I mean, we're, we're already in a weird state where we've got, you know, like Netflix, H, like potentially HBO, Amazon, Disney Plus, whatever, like all these different subscribing services over on like the TV movie side of things. Um, and, I, you know, Xbox have talked about that becoming just an Xbox app on a TV yeah. um, and PlayStation tried it with PlayStation now. Um, and it's just that whole thing of like, if that is the way the future is going, is this them realizing it and just saying, ah, we're going to have to start locking down IPs and franchises because it the streaming yeah. wars are going to be the next few years and we want to make sure we have the strongest pool of titles. My big, my big question is, and I've said that a lot because I've got a lot of big questions on this podcast this week, Scott <laughs> and my, my next big, big question, question is, when these acquisitions go through, is it a case of they're just trying to lock down IP, they're just trying mm-hmm. to lock down brands for their streaming service to have them, or are they providing an opportunity that these franchises, these developers wouldn't have otherwise? Because I think the one exception to my mostly hating mostly hating it when you know previously established franchises are suddenly locked off is mm. spider-man with sony but i think that worked because we'd had so many terrible spider-man games from activision beforehand yeah they were multi-platform but that character wasn't you know done justice it wasn't You're given slagging the... off shattered dimensions mate no, no there are a few highlights shattered <laughs> dimensions web of shadows spider-man 2 there were of course highlights but yes. for the most part it was very hit and miss the games themselves were rushed out in like a year 18 months or whatever mm-hmm. but when sony came in yes they made it exclusive but they were like look we're going to do this character justice we're going to give it to a great developer we're going to give them an endless stream of resources to make mm-hmm. the best version of this game possible you simply wouldn't have got that from activision at the time like no you might have got a good game you might have got a pretty decent game, but there was no way that they were going to commit to it that hard like Sony did. So the only way I would enjoy these potential acquisitions is if they were providing opportunities. We just wouldn't have got otherwise, you know, and the sacrifice for that mm-hmm. is the fact that they're now locked off to specific consoles. That would ease the blow. But if it's just doing it to scoop it up and say, look, <laughs> these are my toys, you're not getting them. That's when I kind of go, oof, not sure. The thing that worries me a little bit is that you, if you think corporate mindedly, like obviously those people at the top, they're like, there's a ton of, like in that case, there was a ton of money to be made with a Spider-Man game. Obviously Sony have tried to make Spidey a Sony-based character for years. Like you can look at the font comparisons between the PS3 and the Sam Raimi trilogy. And like, there's that whole thing. So there's a lot of money there to be made in terms of like locking down Spider-Man, doing a really good Spider-Man game and, uh, and, and you know, whatever. But then how much are Insomniac then locked to Ratchet and Clank and Spider-Man mm-hmm. because corporate-minded thinking says that this thing is the most bankable, therefore do it again and do it again and do it again. And we kind of saw that kind of fall apart a bit on the Xbox side where they opened the last generation with that saying like, well, you know, we'll just, this studio will do Gears of War, this studio will do 343, will do Halo. Um, and over time, it hasn't really worked. Like they're, they're solid enough games, obviously Infinite, Halo Infinite fell apart. But to me, the longevity of the industry is always going to be in new ideas. And as much as the indie pool is like incredible right now there's so many brilliant indie games and um, at the same time i would like to see those ideas given bigger budgets and the more yeah. you know different corporations step in and go well we want to lock down um spidey or x number of different franchises then i think the people who paid that money will just want more of that type um so yeah. it's, it's it's a weird back and forth because like you know, they can foot the bill for a new idea and go, well, we're going to get this game on Game Pass regardless. So we can take a risk with a new mechanic or a new genre. Um, but it's a complete question of trust because how much do you trust each of these corporations to actually allow those ideas through in the first place? Yeah, this is what I've been worrying about for about five years now, Scott. I remember <laughs> when um, when Marvel announced their thing and I, my biggest worry was that all of these really talented big developers were just going to be put on Marvel projects. And while that's right. cool to get games 
I, I like you, I don't want them locked into a specific franchise when you could be getting new original ideas. Like mm-hmm. I don't want it to become, for as much as I love the film industry, I don't want it to become like the film industry where the only big blockbusters that get announced or get greenlit are these big franchise pictures, these mm-hmm. big sequels, these big comic book movies. Like a lot of them are great. Again, don't get me wrong, but I want to see what those original ideas, I want to see yeah. an original idea, get a big budget and be hugely successful. You know, say what you will about Christopher Nolan or whatever. Like, I don't mm. think he's a perfect director, but I like that he's out there commanding like yeah, $200 same. million dollar budgets, making these original sci-fi movies. And not all of them, all of them might not be like awesome, but the fact that he has that opportunity is something to be appreciated, in my opinion. And I think we've got a good point. We've got a good run in the video game space now where we sort of do have these original ideas coming through that make a lot of money. Again, like I said, Ghost of Tsushima, whatever. And Mm -hmm. I don't want that to kind of go away because franchises, established franchises are more bankable. And that's not my, it's kind of like, it's based on nothing, but just knowing (laughs) how much people like money and how Mm -hmm. valuable these franchises are. I don't want to see developers get locked into working on them forever and just churning out one Star Wars game after another or one Marvel game after another or one Indiana Jones game after another. You well, know? that was the thing. I mean, I looking at Indiana Jones being announced, I was like, okay, like, I like, yeah, like, I just, I don't care about this incessant, like reliance on bankable stuff. I want a new thing. And I think that it, it is fascinating because the proof's kind of in the pudding on Sony's side. Um, you know, they, they let Hideo Kojima do his crazy Death Stranding game, a game about hiking and weird oil monsters and Princess Beach and like this whole thing. And like, that's, that's great. But I wonder what Kojima does next because the money to be made with him was, was the next Hideo Kojima game. Like that was, didn't really matter what he was going to do next. It was that he wasn't doing it with Konami anymore. And that was their in. So I kind of wonder if, you know, if the, the sort of um, the financial interests governing um, Kojima productions get in touch, knock on the door and say, sorry, what's your next thing? Are you going to do something with guns in it this time? You can do something where <laughs> we can sort of, you know, a bit more like Metal Gear. We sort of kind of hoped for another Metal Gear last time um, and how much that becomes, I don't know. It's always that thing of like corporate bankable interests in an artistic medium and a creative medium um, across film, across gaming, whatever, um, the push and pull, the the allowance for sort of like original ideas versus the things that they know will make the money back. Yeah. Um, and for me, those scales have been tipped way more towards bankable formula and boring stuff in film at the minute. Um, and some of it <clears throat> in the top tier of gaming. Um, but there are things like Death Stranding, there are new IPs like Ghost of Tsushima. So I don't know, it's an ongoing thing. But yeah, the idea of you know industry-wide acquisitions and the likes of Amazon and Google stepping in, um, I don't know, like that maybe that fulfills X number of budgets that wouldn't have got there before, or maybe it locks off, um, you know, future ideas because they then get put on even more treadmills that all just run alongside each other. And it looks like that weird old music video where they're all dancing on the treadmills. You know what I mean? You know that one? What is that? Is that OK Go? I think it might be OK Go. Go? I was thinking of one, uh, I can't think of it at all. I'm sure that we haven't got any comments. I'm sure someone who will come to us on (laughs) social media will think of it. It's that one thingy Benazi. You know what I mean? That's a thing. I don't know. But the news, lads. It's not the music, lads. Maybe someday it'll be this is the music, lads, but not. Just yet. For now, though, um, yes, that has been the week's news. We'll be back this time next week, maybe with new music. Maybe we've already got it. I don't even know. Um, But yes, for now, we've been the news, lads. This has been the news, lads. We've been the news, lads. News, lads. I've been Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. Goodbye. All I've got in my head is news, lads. You just keep saying it over and over again. I don't (laughs) know what it means anymore. It'll eventually catch on. Hashtag news, lads. We'll catch you guys all next time. (laughs) Bye-bye.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.